This is Krista Wells, and you're listening to Frequency. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Frequency Podcast. I'm Dan Thompson, joined once again with Joe Brookhouse. How are things going, Joe? It's excellent here and uh, glad to be back so soon for another episode. Yeah, this is great getting on a new routine. Uh, well, getting on a routine, period. I mean, when we first started this podcast, uh, I mean, we both have full-time gigs anyways. Um, this is something we're, we're passionate about and we try to get it out as quick as we can, but it has been busy. So we pushed out, sometimes it was a month between podcasts or a little more and uh, we don't want it to get that way. So it's great to be on a every second Tuesday routine and even bonus features once in a while, like the Keith Getty one that we just put out. Uh, so exciting times. There's a lot of people that we've been talking to and uh, thank you to to you, Joe, for doing a lot of the interviews just because of our time zone thing. Um, but how have things been going with you, and and uh, what's life like out in the West Coast? <laughs> life, life is busy. There's, I'll be honest. There's a lot of drama uh, in in my world. You know, um, uh, I think many of us can relate to uh, uh, our to having families and having family drama and. Uh, <laughs> For me, you know, my I have a, an aging father and um, with some health concerns and uh, and a house full of people at this moment <laughs> who are having very um, I don't want to use the word heated, but let's say uh, enthusiastic animated discussions. animated that's a much better word and it's very <laughs> animated discussion. So I'm hiding in my son's bedroom while people are talking downstairs. And I'm very grateful to be uh, here on episode eight of the Frequency Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, it's actually Canadian Thanksgiving for me, and uh, we've already had a turkey dinner. We we hung out with some friends yesterday, so that was good. And we had church today and uh, worship leading, and uh, there was no evening service. So it was nice to have some downtime and uh, to prepare to get to talk to you, Joe. And uh, to get on to our next episode, and uh, and let's talk about that because it was a very unique opportunity that we had to talk to a couple folks from the industry. Uh, I don't know if you want to set that up, Joe, and who you talked to recently. You bet. So I spoke with Shannon Walker of Integrity Music and Lisa Beach from David C. Cook. Now, just for background, a couple of years ago, and actually it was two years ago, I believe, in August of this year that David C. Cook purchased Integrity Music. So they actually merged those two companies. So I spoke with those two. They are publicists. Uh, Lisa Beach works on the, the book side of things. And Shannon with, obviously, music, because it's Integrity Music. But uh, we, uh, we, we spoke to understand better what is the role of the publicist um, on both sides and how does it differ between those two mediums. And 
you know, the goal was to get some information that might be valuable for the artist, whether you're established or you're just trying to get started. And you'll find that this is not a short interview, but there's really not any wasted information that that you're going to draw from this. A lot of great nuggets of information, things that you as an artist need to know about, not just what a publicist can do, but what you can do for yourself as your own publicist as you are trying to promote the work that you've been creating. Right, yeah, because a lot of our audience, um, I mean, I would say um, the majority at this point is probably independent if they're an artist or even an aspiring writer uh, of any medium. And so anything that you can glean or, inf- or information you can learn about how to get the word out about things, that was the goal of this interview. And to have some publicists on, uh, especially on both sides of it, uh, it's neat because, I mean, you get to see the inner workings of how big companies operate and just take a few nuggets of information or, or things that you can do, whether it's just how to address social media, how to make a press release, uh, things that, um, you know, even the type of personality you have to have in order to get information out and build relationships and all those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing this interview with folks. Excellent. Maybe we should kick over to the interview. What do you think? Sounds great. All right. Well, let's listen to the interview between Joe Brookhouse and the publicists. Good day. This is Joe Brookhouse at Frequency. And today we're thrilled to be joined with a couple of ladies out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've got Shannon Walker from Integrity Media or Integrity Music. What should I say? Integrity Music. Integrity Music. Okay. And then Lisa Beach from David C. Cook. And you're on the book side of things. Correct. Correct. Very good. And you're both publicists. And so we're, we're doing something really unique. So we're not talking artists today. We're talking people behind the scenes. And what I want to do is, um, first of all, um, get, let you take the opportunity to introduce yourselves. And maybe uh, do you have an elevator speech about who you are? You have, we'll do a, a So You Think You Can Dance 30 seconds to tell us your life story. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it's funny to tell my story because we're always telling someone else's story. I know, right? Yeah. What's up with that, Joe? Um, I uh, stumbled into publicity and public relations. My uh, my degrees in journalism, and I interned at a magazine. I ended up working in PR at a hospital. Took a position in marketing at Integrity Music segued into publicity because my boss knew I had a journalism degree and that was 18 years ago. <laughs> 18 years. Yes. That doesn't happen very often. No, that's true. No, right? That's great. Yeah. It shocks me. It shocks me every time I look in the mirror. All right, Lisa, your turn. Well, um, my name is Lisa Beach and I, uh, been working for David C. Cook for almost a year and a half now, but uh, funny to say, I've been in the CBA industry, book industry, for it will be 20 years this November. And so I originally started at CBA, which is the Association for Christian Retail, and used to plan all the conventions and work with all the publicists. Mm doing concerts and all of our speaking engagements when we used to have very large events happening. And I was there 
for uh, almost eight years and then took a little time off to have some children and then kind of had publicity uh, just kind of opened up to me working with some uh, people in the industry, went to work for Waterbrook Press and uh, fell in love with working. Not only I didn't have to work with publicists anymore, I actually got to become a publicist and work with all of the authors and uh, freelanced for several years, ran my own company and then uh, joined David C. Cook to work with all of these wonderful people. And then come to find out Shannon and I actually worked together way back when. She was one of the publicists I used to work for. So we've come full circle. With, we've come full circle. So yes, so now we're partners. Mm -hmm. Just uh, working different aspects of David C. Cook, Integrity Music and David C. Cook, the trade book section. There you go. And for folks who weren't aware, uh, see, uh, Shannon just moved, was it been two years now since you moved up from Alabama? Yes, two years ago last week. Now, was it, oh, was it last week? Um, I think we got into the springs around the third, no, around the 10th, maybe it was this week. I, I just remember my first official day here was the 16th. It was oh, today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> wow. See, that's Providence. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. That's wow. neat. So were you actually in, um, uh, were you in Alabama before? Yes, uh, Integrity Music started out in Alabama. Uh, it was founded, co-founded by a gentleman and based out of a church, kind of a parachurch ministry, and grew from that. It was truly um, the kind of thing where it was a magazine, they reached out to their readers and asked what resources can you use, they responded, live worship, and it just sort of grew from there. So that's why uh, there was a major music label in Mobile, Alabama, and um, then uh, two years ago in the summer, we became part of the David C. Cook family, which seemed like a no-brainer because our missions and heart match completely. Mm -hmm. And uh, David C. Cook moved our core integrity music team and equipment and two FedEx trucks full of studio masters to Colorado Springs, and here we are. Wow. That's uh, that's a big shake. Let's get uh, let's go back to um, to what you do now. I I was a communications major in college. So I have some perspective on what your role is, but I thought it would be good um, to take some time to talk about what the role of the publicist is in supporting the artist. Because people who are let's say independent artists may not have a publicist or even know what that's about. Um, who wants to take that one? Because it might be different for each medium. Right, right. And it really is. Yeah, exactly. I think that music versus books it just has a little different flair. So, artist first? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, part of the difference between what Lisa and I do will simply be who we reach out to because different media will be focusing on different things and then we'll have a different approach. Um, because I fall under the more entertainment, I get to you know, go a little footloose and fancy free with press releases. I don't have to stick to associated press style as much. There's a little more leniency uh, for me, where I think Lisa probably mm -hmm. has to work within different confines. On the music side, and again, this, keep in mind, I'm talking about what I do as a publicist at a label um, and what a publicist, an independent publicist, which Lisa was, mm -hmm. could do for an indie artist. Um, it's going to really, it's up to the artist. 
my husband's working with a, a group right now and had to make them, you know, he, he's communicating, hey, I will do what you need for me to do. Here's what I can do. So artists, songwriters, my advice is decide what you want to accomplish, what you want to do. Find your publicist that you think is a good match, and then you guys go about setting down, setting down goals. What I do, you know, I, I try to gain publicity for our artists and albums. And that means feature stories, news stories, reviews of the projects, um, try to get our, our artists or our songwriters into positions where they're guest columnists. Um, I create bios for them, and uh, we identify PR photos and all those kinds of assets. And because it's music, I also do a little bit of song promotion. And we now have someone here at the label who works with that, but she and I kind of work in tandem. So I'm not just promoting the artists and the albums, but I'm trying to get your songs given away here or played here or you know things like that. So again, it depends on what you want, what you identify as your goals. And I try to use discretion when I do that because there are media where we don't want placement or media where it's not a good fit or the other thing, and I'm sure a lot of independent artists and songwriters will face this, a lot of our guys have full-time jobs at churches, and so they have a limited amount of time and resources as well. So the other thing I try to help them with is, what is feasible? Can you do this interview? No, you don't have time. What if you do it by an email Q&A? Uh, don't have time to write a column? Okay. Uh, do you have a discussion you have with your worship team that we can maybe print and throw up on a website somewhere? So it's really trying to find feasible avenues for these artists and writers and worship leaders who have about 10,000 commitments other than, <laughs> other than the music side of their lives. Yeah, and there's, there's not a lot of fun from my perspective in the promotional side of things. It can be really hard, yeah, yeah. So, Lisa, how about uh, on your side of things from the uh, the book? Yeah, if, if I were if I were talking to an author, especially, you know, okay, you have a book, and maybe you're an independent author and uh, trying to self-publish, that type of a situation. What would you? How do you go about publicity? What does publicity look like for books? Um, first of all, I always try to. Um, draw that line for authors because sometimes they don't understand the difference between marketing and publicity. Mm. And the difference there is that marketing, this is, this is my funny way of just, just describing it, is marketing has money and publicity doesn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> marketing goes out and purchases ads uh, for uh, people to see your book. So it's an ad. And you can, you know, put an ad in a magazine. You can put an ad um, by, you know, a radio space for your book or whatever. But that's the difference. You're actually paying somebody to advertise for your product, for your book. Publicity is completely different. Basically, uh, my job as a publicist for an author would be to have somebody review the book, either on a website uh, or in a magazine run an excerpt of the book, have a, a discussion, a Q&A type of a situation, um, that is something that we don't pay for. We have to go out and solicit that. As Shannon said, find the right outlets, 
for that particular topic for the book. Um, we look for radio stations who do author interviews. So we set up author interviews. We look for Christian television, uh, if that's the market that fits. We also, you know, as a publicist, I'm always trying to find the news story that is associated with that title. Uh, for instance, uh, I'm working with Preston Sprinkle right now, and his book is called Fight. It's, yeah. basically, it's basically um, an evangelicals uh, wrestle with nonviolence is basically in a nutshell. Well, that's a very much um, an interesting topic for mainstream media to be interested in. So I've gone to different outlets such as Fox News and CNN, and I've pitched different ideas for possibly a conversation with Preston, and there has been a little bit of interest. So, again, trying to, uh, I don't have a song that I'm, you know, promoting. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have I have kind of almost like a little bit more of an open leeway. I can kind of look at a whole book and say, wow, you really could talk about this topic that's in the news right now, you know, if something were to happen. Uh, for instance, uh, if somebody goes crazy and does something, well, maybe I have an author who can speak to. They found out that he didn't have a father growing up, and this particular person has had a rough childhood. Well, maybe I have an author that I could go, wow, you could really speak into what happens, you know, what happens to society when you don't have a father role. You know, those are the kind of things that, as a publicist, that I'm constantly looking at and trying to uh, not just promote a book, basically as a book publicist, uh, unless it's an outlet that's looking to do book reviews or speak to an author regarding a book, I'm usually trying to think of different topic ideas. So trying to, uh, so like with Fight, and uh, I think I've got that at home, you know, you were able to look and say, okay, how can I get an angle to bring this person in as a, an expert or a, somebody who can speak with some authority on that topic? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what we try to do is, is pose our authors as experts in their area and try to find that one topic that maybe is being talked about right now that they could be the expert on. And that can apply to artists, depending on what the artist wants to talk about. If they're interested, especially in a controversial issue, and weighing in on that, if they have a really interesting testimony or story that feeds into, as Lisa said, a larger story. Um, Lincoln Brewster has a really great testimony um, regarding his childhood and growing up in an abusive home where there was alcoholism and, you know, just coming to terms with father issues, similar things, and he's able to speak into that in interviews. So, you know, I think probably for, whether it's the author or the artist, they need to look at what they can say about their lives yeah. because any journalist is going to be looking for a story. Right. Yeah, well, I would agree. I mean, from my perspective, and I'm not a journalist, but I have been in the past. You know, my first job was working for a newspaper. Uh, was what's going to make people want to read? What's what's going to make people want to spend time? I feel like, from my perspective, I want the listener to be vested in the artist because I think that that benefits the artist in the best possible way. You know, it's not just this book; it's every book this person ever writes because. There's a bit more grace when you have that vesting in that individual. Well, let me ask this. Uh, you know, we, let's promote a book and, a, and an album, so maybe something that's coming up. And talk to me about that life cycle of when do we start that promotional life cycle and when does that end? Because I know that on my side it seems like 
it seems like on the music side of things, it's shorter than on the book side of things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it is shorter, not by my choice, but it is shorter because that seems to be the nature of the beast for us. Um, I was just having a discussion with a, another person on the team about how, you know, five years ago, our uh, lead time on an album was six months. Mm -hmm. And we were fighting to get that. Uh, you know, I needed sound and an album cover and as, mu as many assets and, and any videos, anything I could use um, six months out. And a lot of that determ was determined by the media outlets I would go to. Thankfully, um, I have a lot of digital choices now because I don't have that long lead time. So I'm blessed in that. And um, But yes, you know, most prints still have a six-month lead time. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. was working with uh, Charisma Magazine for this previous July issue. We began working on that really in December, kind of in January, sending pitches and information um, to the editor and, and his staff. So from December, January to the finished product in July. So you just have to think about the outlet you're going to and how much time you're going to need to pursue or secure that outlet. But yeah, Joe, you're absolutely right. We're down to like three months. And you know, for us, uh, sometimes it's six weeks because we might pick up a project that's international and is already done and we just have to manufacture it here in the US and bam, it's on our schedule and you know, we're picking up the pace to try to fit it. So, yes, Lisa, Lisa has a more traditional, I think, mm -hmm. schedule on that, and I'm very envious of her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That means it ends faster for you this too. Is <laughs> well, no, I our running joke is if you've ever recorded anything with integrity, I still work for you. Okay. Because you know. Yeah. Well, it, it is, is the, the truth. Way. It is the truth. That yeah. is the truth. Because yeah. people, you know, have that relationship, and they're going to come to you and look for help. Right. And it's probably the same way with you. Yes. And all three. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would say that our uh, on the book side of things, it is still more traditional. Um, six six to four months lead time. So, for instance, uh, I am going to promote. I'm going to talk to you about a book that we've been working on. It's from Tolian to Vision, and that is actually Billy Graham's grandson. And his book One Way Love is coming out in October. So, uh, again, six to six to four months lead time to do pitching for the magazines and the print media, long lead, what we call long lead media. So there are several Christian television shows that we've pitched already, even a few radio shows that we know that are the larger radio shows. We've gone ahead and sent that out early. And then as you uh, start to get a little closer, right around basically, and, and you know, kind of backing up, that's when the press kits are put together. So at six months, you're putting together, like Shannon was saying, we're pulling together all the information, creating the bio um, for a book uh, press kit. I do, as you said, Joe, like to include like a suggested question list. Uh, we try to make it as um, helpful to each outlet. So if it's kind of a print, kind of sometimes I create a print press kit, and then there might be a different one for radio. But at the same time, we're trying to make, make it as easy for the editor or for the host to read through that, uh, I include excerpts from the book as well, because I know that, especially in broadcast, they can't read every single book that they're going to interview. Um, that would be impossible. It's much easier to listen to a song. <laughs> it is. It is. Than it is to, uh, to read a 200 and something page book. 
So I try to help in my press kits by creating an excerpt page, a suggested question page. Sometimes with bigger books, I'll do a question and answer where I've even given answers of what uh, the author would be giving so that that host or editor feels confident, to confident enough to know what that book is about, that they don't have to read every page of that book. Um, and yet they can still do a very uh, quality interview and come across very knowledgeable about what the topic is and what the book is about and what the author has said. Um, so we create that press kit. That all goes out. We're making pitches. And things can change, as, as we talked about, as news uh, changes as the book gets closer to release. I usually start working on, like for instance, radio more about a month to a month and a half before because I don't have, for us here at David C. Cook, I don't have finished product until a month before release. So most, most radio wants to see the finished product. So sending a galley uh, or uh, just a copy of a manuscript is not what they're looking for. So we have to wait a little closer in. Plus, radio works a lot faster than print. And you know, I could pitch something today and they want a book tomorrow. And so <laughs> that is something that I want to I want to have more of my interviews around the release date. So I have to be careful not to pitch too early for broadcast because I definitely don't want to do publicity too early. Uh, two weeks before release date is about as, as early yeah. as I like to go. Yeah, same here. You know, we still get early reviews. In fact, I'm thinking you had asked about specific projects, Joe, and one of the, the projects I'm working on right now is the new City Harmonic Hard album. So um, I think a review just popped up on it. I was looking at my inbox before we came in, and I thought, ah, I was really hoping it wouldn't be this early. <laughs> no, um, so, yeah, Lisa's right. For electronic and, and for digital media, for broadcast media, two weeks is ideal if you can target and work around that. Um, Heart uh, is the kind of album to, you're asking about the lifetime of a project. For us, the really what we would call the active period is two months before release date and two months to three months after. But it depends on the life of the project and how consumers respond to the project and how are sales going and in the instance in my world how are churches responding with these songs are these songs finding a home in a church if so then maybe we need to create more resource products and we need to have a secondary push uh, for song promotion and publicity so yeah that's again a difference I'm sure between mm -hmm. us and books but um, yeah I would yeah. say that the life expectancy for us uh, could be a little longer than that for sure because sometimes it's just a matter of uh, kind of a getting the word out you know until the book is in people's hands exactly. which is the yeah. release date you don't see sales necessarily right away so uh, something could all of a sudden take hold and you know four or five months down the road all of a sudden now everybody wants to interview that author for instance, with music. <laughs> I, for, it's really interesting. For instance, I actually did the um, publicity for Radical for David Platt. Well, that book didn't take off until about, I don't know, six or seven months after release date. Well, I was pursuing interviews for David prior to that, and people weren't interested. It wasn't until the book kind of just became this phenomenon, you know, oh my goodness, this is an amazing book, and the word started spreading, well then all of a sudden, that's when all of the media started to really come 
out. At that point, I was a freelance publicist. My contract was over um, because when you do freelance publicity, you're usually hiring for just a short period of time. Well, if that media starts to hit after that contract, it goes back in-house, which would fall to the in-house uh, publicist. So again, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. We want that in books for sure, uh, but you can never know. Same thing happened with Ring Collective's Campfire Project. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's right now, it, it's rarely out of the number one position. Yeah. And they released it in January of this year. So. Yeah, I could have told you about that one. Just listening to that, that had a definite, I knew that was going to be one of the number one albums this year. It was yeah. easy to tell. I think same way though, a lot of people are like, oh, we don't know once they heard it and word started to spread and word of mouth is your best friend. Nothing exactly. Beats that. Nothing. Beats yes, that's why social media is so great. That's, yeah, that's probably a pretty good way to go into social media, yeah. because that's basically for us. There was a, a study done um, by a, the largest um, publishing company in the world, and uh, basically the study was done saying that ninety percent of books are purchased because of a recommendation from a friend. No, that's it's true. But, I do that. Yeah, you do that. I do that. <laughs> And the same thing with music, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure, exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, social media has, has really definitely increased in book publicity in the last probably five years. Um, when I first started publicity, uh, we weren't going to bloggers. We weren't trying to get bloggers to review and talk about the book. And we weren't giving away books to bloggers. Yeah. Now we do. Now we, now we see that it's worth our time to have what we would call a blog, you know, a blog tour where we invite, say, we have a, a strong list and we try to get a, like a hundred bloggers who say, yes, I will review this book within this two week period of time. And I will even, you know, give away one or two copies on my website, um, on my blog, which, you know, mommy bloggers, we love mommy bloggers because they have a lot of influence. They have a large realm of, uh, of influence, pastors, uh, anybody who is a church leader, those are the people we're trying to connect with because we know they're gatekeepers. They are. They're gatekeepers. Yeah. People listen to them, and if they, re if they recommend something, then it has a high you know, potential of being their friends buying it. A lot of times if I um, tweet a link where you guys have reviewed a project, I'll make sure that I mention the fact that, hey, this is coming from a worship leader. Worship leaders. <laughs> yeah. You know. This is a worship leader's opinion of why you need these songs in your church. So yeah, you're, you are a gatekeeper. Well, let me ask a question. One of the things that I struggle with is sometimes I'll get a project to review and I'll go, whether it's a book or, a, or an album or whatever, and I'll go, wow, I don't like this at all. So from, a publicity, from your perspective as publicist, would you rather have a bad review um, or no review at all? It is a tricky question, and there, um, there's an argument for both sides. Exactly. Long term, I would rather have you give a bad review to a project if you earnestly feel that's the case. Mm -hmm. Because one, I think it's constructive for anyone involved, the label, the songwriter, the artist, whomever. And if they're not creating a product that you can use, then by gosh, we need to know. And the other is, how can I expect you to trust me if I expect you to skew your opinions? Right. So I would much rather you give an honest opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, one of, the, my, one of my frustrations as a consumer is um, if it's a, a mediocre, there's something that I think is mediocre. 
and like Dan, who's also on Frequency, he, he and I usually collaborate on reviews. We want to make sure, do you agree that this is mediocre? And he, yeah, it's pretty mediocre, whatever. But then we'll go out and we'll find these raving reviews and go, well, now I don't know if I can trust this reviewer anymore. Mm-hmm. And or maybe they're, they're, um, I'm going to ignore them because they have completely different tastes than I have, obviously. Right. So, you know, there's certain people that I know are going to give great reviews no matter what they listen to. And so I don't read their reviews. Um, and there's other people that I trust their opinion, like you say, as gatekeepers, and I'll pay attention to what they have to say. I agree. I mean, I, I think that people do know when it's a fake review as far as if they go out and purchase it and then they don't agree with it, either they go, wow, just like you said, we don't have the same taste and so I'm not going to really listen to you in the future. The one caveat that I would say about that, and it's something I've had to learn because I might be working on a project where I'm like, I don't know, this isn't ministering to me, I'm not getting it, can churches use this? But I'll see someone else respond wholeheartedly. So the one thing you do have to take into consideration is everyone brings their own stuff (laughs) into it. And I've seen before where people would slam an album and a review, and and they would have totally valid points. I've seen other reviews that were just phenomenal, but it's usually because there's a heart connection there. So that's the one thing that I've tried to, and, and that's what I tell and probably what you tell authors is what I tell artists. You have to remember these are individual human beings listening and responding, mm-hmm. reading and responding to what you've created. Yeah. So I wrote a review for Travis Thrasher on Home Run. And okay. I, and I enjoyed that book, but it, there were some things that didn't really work really well for me. And so when Travis and I were doing the interview, the first thing he said is, oh, I read the review you wrote. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, I don't. I try to avoid interviewing people for whom I've written um, a review on their stuff because I'm a I'm a bit of a cynic, and so um, even if I love something, I'm going to find something I don't like about it because I want to I want a balanced review, and so I do that, and I'm like, I hope I didn't offend them. And yeah, and probably appreciated your honesty too, because he wants to grow as a as a writer as well. So if you offered you know in your review something that made him stop and think, I think that's great. You know, yeah, sometimes it's like, ouch, I don't want to hear that. There is a writer who shall remain nameless (laughs) out of the UK. Um, And I I adore him. He is, I would consider him a good friend. He is a friend, and he can be very harsh with some of his reviews and uh, very harsh with some of his interviews. But he really is trying to get to the core and the heart of the subject. And I have seen him, uh, he and Israel Houghton, do interviews back and forth, and they are buddies but they just go at each other (laughs) and they'll have deep theological discussions about a song and but it's great i think iron sharpens iron so yeah that's that's a good thing yeah indie artists and authors be prepared (laughs) yeah and i i don't know i wonder and i maybe i'm wrong but it seems like music is such so much more of a personal it's very emotional emotional choice that i see where that could be where somebody could absolutely love it and then maybe absolutely not connect yeah. at all. And books, I don't know if there's is quite of a no, you're right. swinging pendulum that can go one way or the other. I think maybe you can still get something out of a book. And yeah, like you said, it's mediocre, you know. But maybe somebody still goes, wow, you know, that was, that was good. I got some good yeah. stuff out of it. You do have to kind of know, as a publicist, you do have to know who you're working with. 
and their personality and how do I send a bad review to this person or do I just not even include that right now? Um, is it going to be helpful or hinder? Uh, do you bring up the fact that, you know, how do you, if you realize that they maybe didn't uh, do an interview very well, how do you encourage them for the next time around? That's a um, great point. Yeah. So you have to you have to know your author or artist that you're working with and how to, you know, still help them yet not put them in a you know in a position where they're not gonna be able yeah. to hear it. There's nothing worse than seeing the person you're representing having to carry the interview and interview himself or herself. Because you just feel bad for them, you feel bad yes. for the media person. Yes. It's um, and you can do all the prepping you want, but sometimes it's just something happens. And there you go. I even learned a lesson. There was somebody that I actually had on Fox News, and uh, this person had done a lot of television, at least I thought was very well, you know, suited. So I didn't really give them a lot of tips. I hurt. I, I hurt watching the interview because there was some very kind of like turn your phone off type of situations. Like you go, on, that's common sense. Um, that I wish I would have been able to prep my author for. And I was ready for the next time uh, to, to give that kind of information. But again, because this person had so much experience, it was kind of a touchy, you know, how do I, how do I handle that correctly? Um, but it definitely reminded me for future guests that I can't assume that they know certain tips and uh, one of those tips was that he, uh, this person was up close on one of those, you know, satellite interviews, and he this he kept shifting, shifting back and forth, shifting, shifting, and he almost looked like he, you know, came across um, not very honest because when you see somebody shifting in their seat a lot, you don't think that they're saying some. Now he was, he was a very honest and, and you know man, and and the things that he said were was great. It's just that. He, because he was so close up and he shifted so much, it was just—it was very painful to see that. <laughs> so, you know, as a publicist, you do hurt for your, you know, our author or artist if they've done something that you say, oh shoot, I should have maybe educated them better. So you're always growing as a publicist. For me, my personally, um, how can I help them do that better the next time around? Um, do they need media training? And that's something that maybe, especially as an uh, independent author or artist, maybe they want to, to you know, s investigate and, and to educate themselves on media tips and that type of a thing, to have small sound bites, different, you know, those little things that maybe they don't realize so that when they finally do get their first interview, they're ready to go and it's not, it's not something that's very uncomfortable for them. I, I will tell you, there are people where I'm like, you maybe not talk so much because you just know that person's personality mm -hmm. and you don't want them to be hurt in a situation. Um, and I do know it with some media, there are people who, for instance, uh, gave a really scorching review to a project and it was almost a personal thing. You know how you can read into it sometimes and go, what's up with that? So knowing that, I, the next time an album from this artist came out, I simply did not provide right. music to review because I thought, hey.
Uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask about is from your perspective, because you see a lot of artists come and go. What is it like, especially when you're working in Christian-themed uh, mediums, what's it like as you watch an artist kind of struggle with this is what it's really about? You know, I think a lot of folks have a perspective. I'm going to, oh, I'm, I'm with Integrity. I'm with David C. Cook. I'm published, and uh, um, I've made it. Uh, and then realization sets in. Lisa will have to address this separately. I can tell you what we as a team try to do with any of the worship leaders and songwriters we work with, and that is to build realistic expectations. Absolutely. That's the first thing. If you're not doing that, if you are working with a label or a publisher and, and you don't feel like you're getting realistic expectations shared with you, then you're not in a good place. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I believe in being honest to the point of being brutally honest with folks because I would much rather do that in the front end mm -hmm. than have them become shattered or disappointed. The other thing that I tell people frequently because we get a lot of songs pitched to us, a lot of projects from indies, make sure that, and this is a very spiritual perspective, but if you are working in Christian music, if you are working in worship music, that is the perspective you have to have. Mm -hmm. You need to be certain that you're doing what God has called you to do mm -hmm. and that you are serving your local church and your local community. And when you are doing that, God will build the platform he wants you to have. Mm -hmm. And it probably will not be the platform you want. Amen. And you have to continually check your own heart. We have to. I would love for, you know, to have our guys on every major network possible. Right. But... You know what? Sometimes that's just not going to happen. And you have to walk through the, God, the doors that God opens. Lisa and I have this conversation all the time yeah. because it's publicist. Mm -hmm. We're like, why isn't this happening? Why won't? But the difference is because you're viewing this as a Christ follower, you're viewing it as a bigger plan. You're viewing what you do as you know, part of a bigger plan. And so you know, I can only give that perspective. I don't know about other publicists right. who, who don't come at it from that perspective. Well, and, and, and also from the book side of it, um, most authors, the reason that they've written a book is that because they've been speaking about this topic. Mm -hmm. They do have a platform already. And I think that we constantly are uh, managing expectations on a daily basis with authors. And sometimes authors, you know, might think, oh, well, great, I have a publisher now, I have a publicist, and I have a marketing department. I really don't have a whole lot I have to do other than do the interviews. Well, I encourage all of my authors that they need to be out there doing as much as they can. They need to be speaking and having those speaking engagements because that's where the books are going to sell. And the more that they do, and I, I've had a... a I've had a couple experiences with a first-time author who just, he just like knew, and he, he's constantly tweeting, he's constantly uh, speaking, he's continuing to hit and the pavement hard to get out the message, and you know, after three months, after the book is released in three months, you know, I'm, I'm sad to say that I am moving on to the next you know, set of books that are coming out, and this is not a priority for the publisher anymore. But it is your priority, and that's what you need to remember, and you need to be behind that. And we're going to do all that we've agreed to and, and put all the money and effort behind it. But after that three-month period, after the release date, it's really going to be your 
opportunity to keep on sharing your message and doing what you can do. So don't stop. And that's yeah. for for authors. That's what I encourage them all the time. That's good advice for anyone. Same with artists. Yeah. If you're passionate about what you're doing, then be passionate about what you're doing. Right. So it's good to understand as an artist that just because you have a publicist or just because you're signed doesn't mean that all of a sudden the work stops. I think that's um, a lot of us creatives want to create and then hope that some little butterflies will pick it up and spread it across the world, you know, um, and and move on to the next piece. <clears throat> I know as a worship leader, when I get a new song that I'm really excited about, I learn it and I get it in and then I get sick of it. And that's about the time the congregation is starting to figure it out. And yeah. I have to continue to promote it, as it were, to continue to push that because it's they're just getting passionate about it now. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder, I've always wondered that too, just about authors and speaking. When I'm with an author and I'm maybe on a, uh, uh, maybe at a convention and I'm taking them from, you know, interview to interview to interview and I hear them say the same thing over and over and over and I know that they've been saying that same thing for about a year to different audiences, I, I sometimes wonder, wow, you know, that probably does get a little tiresome. But if you have the passion, if you know that's what God has called you to do, then he's going to keep that flame going, yeah. and he's and, and people will see that you're truly sincere about this message, and and just to, to let you know, I'm privileged to work for a Christian publishing company, um, and that I actually let my authors know that I do pray for them, you know, and I pray for media every time that I send something out, uh, you know, a large blast to media. I ask the Lord to please just take it where it's supposed to go, and so. Uh, I, uh, I let the authors know that I do that and hope that, that they also are in prayer as well. You know, Lord, where, where is this message supposed to reach? Which media am I supposed to obtain? Help me to do that because it is a very competitive world out there right now. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing um, from a lot of different freelancers is that it's getting even harder because the world is so focused on celebrities and what the world is about that for us working in the Christian industry, it is a little harder to even have to say that you're an evangelical or, you know, that you're in the in this realm and this person is an expert to speak about this. It's kind of we have to go into stealth mode a little bit. Mm -hmm. Prayer is gonna be yeah. is a huge priority for us. So Baby, yes it is. <laughs> Pray that each one plus one And that makes three of us To ever one heart to your heart um, I imagine... Uh, especially with books, that it's um, becoming so much easier to e-publish yourself. And there's some expectation that, oh, now that I'm published, everybody's going to discover my book. I don't know that I see when people think, decide, oh, well, you know, nobody has picked up my book, so I'm going to self-publish. Well, maybe it's because your book hasn't been picked up for a reason, because professionals realize and recognize that it's not where it needs to be, or it's the message that has already been said a zillion times, or, you know, so sometimes I, I just, I, I don't know, I don't want to discourage anybody, because I mean, there's always that one in, you know, a 
10,000. That actually the book was really good and they self-published it and didn't go that route. Um, but there's so many more that, uh, you know, maybe they shouldn't have wasted, you know, the time and the effort and the money that goes yeah. into it. Uh, because it's it, unless it's their joy, unless it's their hobby, and they say, I'm not going to make one dime from this, then I would say, okay, well, then if that is your joy and your passion, do it. But again, like you said, don't expect to make any money. Your book may any not be money. the shack. Right. Which was independently published. And right. So you might not be sitting on another shack. You know, it's uh, talking to. We have a friend who has written a series of mystery novels that have. They came close to being optioned by USA, and uh, I think HBO even showed interest, but um, she had to hire her own independent publicist because her publisher, and she paid her way for her own book tours. And she's, she's not considered an A artist, but she is considered a B, excuse me, author. She's considered a B author. Mm -hmm. author. And she's made, you know, a lot of inroads, a lot of fans, right. but it's a different world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for both book, well, at least on the music side, and I'm not sure how this affects you guys, but piracy cuts into part of those profits as well. So there are just all these things to think about. Going back to our original point of you better know that this is your joy right. and what you're called to do. Right. Because it will not be easy. If you're in ministry, you probably know that already. Yeah. But Don't quit your day job. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> You know what? I've I've got an article that I'm ready to post on Frequency that's called exactly that. Don't quit your day job. Don't quit your day job, and it's not to be mean, but if you know, even Paul Balash still has his day job. Yeah, exactly. Right? Paul Balash is doing okay, you know, but he's still working at that church. Keep the expectation real. Yeah. Right. But part of that too, I think, also goes back to that is what keeps Paul grounded, and that's how he knows what worship leaders. I mean, there's this whole thing about why do you do what you do and I don't think he would write the songs he does I don't think he would have the heart for helping other worship leaders if he weren't there in the trenches every day the authors who already have a ministry and are writing out of that they wouldn't do it if they, they didn't, didn't want to passionately right. help someone else or, or serve the kingdom exactly. what's the point right. you know right you're not going to make millions right if you're in it for longer than you know a couple of cycles let's say it'll become apparent if you're there for the right reason great talking to y'all and I know that I'll, we'll be on the uh, Twitterverse together and uh, via email so thank you so much for your time I really appreciated uh, getting to know you guys better and learn more about what you're doing thanks too Joe. for us too thanks right. Joe now get to work alright <laughs> take care alright and that was uh, that was my interview with Shannon and Lisa and you may have noticed that there were some music uh, there's some music going on there in the uh, transitions and that is from the City Harmonics' most recent release, Heart. And so thanks to uh, 
to the publishers of that and for Shannon Walker and helping uh, helping us get permission to to share that music with you. It's a it's a pretty unique release. Yeah, and I appreciate that because those guys are from Hamilton, Ontario, and I spent a lot of time living there. So uh, near and dear to my heart, a great band, and uh, it's always nice to be able to share their music. So, so a couple of things that I took away from the interview, uh, I really appreciated the candidness where to their. Uh, <clears throat> I really appreciated how candid they were in their responses about my question about reviews, because. You know, I often wonder what they really want when it comes to a review. I mean, obviously they want a positive review for their artist, but you know, would they rather have a a negative review or no review at all? And that, that's a tough question. And they, I think they they did a great job responding to that, and it makes a lot of sense what they're saying. Well, Joe, who are we going to interview next? Uh, well, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Well. You, you reminded me of one other thing, but yes, our next interview is actually going to be an out-of-cycle interview with Preston Sprinkle, who wrote a book called Fight. Um, and I think we've mentioned that in previous episodes that this was coming up. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to, uh, it's going to be out-of-cycle because we're going to introduce, we haven't, we haven't even come up with a name with it yet, uh, but uh, ministry-focused post, artists uh need to live a well-rounded existence and I'm sorry I just hit my microphone we need to live a well-rounded existence and part of that is not just taking care of our families not just creating but also learning more about this faith that we live mm-hmm. and we have opportunities to engage with authors who've written books that we think for one reason or another are a good fit for our audience uh, or at least would be interesting or intriguing to them and we want to make sure you have the opportunity to check those out. And so our interview with Preston is one example of those. <laughs> so thanks very much to our friends at David C. Cook and Integrity Music for uh, providing us access to Shannon Walker and Lisa Beach and for use of uh, the City Harmonic songs for transitions. But I think it's time for us to sign off because I can hear that things are falling apart downstairs <laughs> and I need to be there. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. And it's also quite late here because I'm four hours ahead of you. So uh, yeah. be kind. One in the morning. One in the morning, man. Yeah, one thirty-three to be exact. But that's oh, okay. Man. I love you. You know, and, and love you too, man. It, I love you, man. It's worth it. Well, let's let's stop that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Joe, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon, and thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Frequency Podcast. Frequency. The Frequency Podcast. Frequency Podcast.